0: I always kind of wondered, what does a smuggler look like? Uh, How how can you tell if somebody's a smuggler? You know, I imagine this sort of nefarious figure, you know, with a bandana around his head and gold chains and really slimy looking and bad teeth, you know. What I found is that uh, there isn't one group of smugglers. Uh, A smuggler is anybody who helps these people get to their destination. And so, There are taxi drivers, there are bus drivers, there are uh, hoteliers, uh, the people that that give them places to stay. There are guides, there are Sherpas, there are uh, people who give them food along the way. There are churches and governments that provide for these migrants to make their journey easier. And because of that, all of those people qualify as smugglers. Las Blancas is not deep in the Darien, it's right next to the road. And these people come out and then they have to come up with $40 for the bus ride to Costa Rica. Well, now it's $60. They have to come up with $60 for the bus ride to Costa Rica. Many of them are flat broke or they got robbed in the jungle and so they got nothing. And so they have to figure out a way to get 60 bucks. Some of them just beg. Some of them are able to make a phone call out, but you have to have money to do that if you have just a couple bucks. Maybe you use your couple bucks to call a friend or a family member and get them to wire you money. So it may take them a few days to even a few months to uh, get out of that camp and get on the bus heading, headed north. And so they're they're kind of stuck there. Well, so obviously many of those people see a bunch of gringos. And that's the first thing they do. They come over and they start going, you know, please, please, I got I'm trying to raise some money. Please help me. I'm so embarrassed. And as a matter of fact, I had two guys from Ethiopia come up to me while I was sitting in our SUV, um, you know, getting ready to make a phone call. And they and the, they spoke English and they said, "I'm so very embarrassed, but we have no money and we need to get on the bus and please could you please see way clear to help us." And I felt terrible, uh, you know. I, I really felt for the poor guys, because I can't. I, I can imagine how hard it would be being in their situation. But I'm not going to help them. I'm sorry, and I told them as much. I said, guys, I'm really sorry, but I just, I just can't. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I, I hate it for you. I wish you all the best, but I, I can't help you. And they said, well, why, why not? And I said because you're breaking the law. You're, you're actually breaking the law. You're, you're, you've come into Panama illegally, and your plan is to go into every country between here and the United States illegally, and I just cannot help you. But my own morality will not allow me to help you break the law. And they said, we understand, and they, they walked off. Now, there are times when I have helped the migrants and I'll detail two of them for you right, right now. I will help the migrants if they're literally, you know, if they need medical attention. Uh, I've, I've come upon people uh, almost every trip who are in such bad shape medically that they literally could die at any moment. They've got heat stroke, they're, they're, they're dying of thirst, they have uh, trench foot, prickly heat, terrible, terrible bites and stings and things like that, especially the children. Um, they, they suffer greatly coming through there. And if they're going to die, then I will intervene to save their lives. And I have on many occasions. Uh, the last time we were out there, not this time, just two days ago, but the last time, um, you can see it on the videos if you go watch from my, my podcast from back then, uh, back in August or September, something like that. We went out there, and there was a 16-year-old girl who just passed out. Just We were walking by, and she just fell out. She was standing in line to register out there in Bajo Chiquito, out deep in the jungle. And I felt her forehead hot, dry, very bad. Like we're talking internal core temperature, getting to the point where she could have brain damage. And so I picked her up. And I carried in my carried her in my arms to the local clinic. Well, there's a tiny little clinic there in Bajo Chiquito, run by Doctors Without Borders. And there was a doctor in there, and he had the door chained, chained and padlocked. So I kicked at the door, holding this girl like, "Hey, open us up! Open up!" She's, and he said, "No, I'm I, I'm not going to treat her." I was like, "What?" She said, "She's dying." He said, if I treat her, I got to treat everybody out here. And there's thousands of people here. I'll get overrun. I can't treat her. And I, how cynical is that? And I said, open this door or I'm breaking it down. And if you won't treat her, I will. So he sighed and rolled his eyes and he came and, and opened the door. And then he packed his stuff up and he walked out. He left. He said, I'm, I'm out of here. I, I can't do this. And he just walked off. And we brought her in, sat her down, cooled her off and gave her something to drink. I went and got an apple from somewhere and gave her an apple to eat. She threw it up. But we got her We got her out of the red zone uh, and got her feeling a little bit better until she was, you know, probably going to survive. While we were there, another man came in that had heat stroke so bad he was literally stroking. He was re- literally had a stroke. And, he, you know, his face was all... Doing that kind of thing, and he was like having a heart attack. And so we brought him in. We just dumped water, dumped cold water all over him. Got a fan on him, started cooling him off. Put ice uh, on his jugular veins to get, keep his brain from boiling. And uh, after about thirty minutes, he got where he was not stroking anymore, but he was in need of serious medical attention. That guy was um, probably brain damaged, and. Um, I don't know if he died or not, but we worked on him until he was out of the woods as best we could and then moved on. We treated several people uh, while we were there. I get it. The poor guy from Doctors Without Borders, I mean, I was pretty mad at him at the moment, but he's right. If you treat one... I mean, virtually everybody coming out of the jungle, if they were in the United States, would be immediately sent to the emergency room. And those people... They don't have enough doctors to treat 8,000 people a day or whatever. At that time, about 5,000 people a day were coming into Bajo Chiquito. It's a very bad problem. Now, the right thing to do would be if you wanted to help them without helping them, you know what I mean, help them without facilitating their continued uh, trek north, what you would do is you would just go out there and you would hand out ice water to them when they came in. But even that, the fact that people die on the route keeps many people from coming. And the fewer people die, the more people come. And the more people come, the more people die. Do you you see what I'm saying? If you feed the ducks, you get more ducks. Point, period, end of story. So anything you do that helps these people in any way is gonna result in more people coming and more people paying the price in misery. I mean, I get it. You're supposed to help your fellow man. But if you're helping your fellow man at the expense of your neighbor, then you're not really helping. You're hurting. Uh, What I mean is, if by you helping your fellow man by taking them into your home is directly causing more people to come, which will then cost... Your neighbors money in their taxes reduce the quality of the services that all of your neighbors can take advantage of the education the health care all that then your generosity to these illegal immigrants is indirectly costing your neighbors money and i would call that a sin i would also call it a travesty so well-meaning churches wanting to help their fellow man they can i can you can see how they can go through these machinations in their brain to say well these people are in the united states already we'll help them out i've myself i have bought migrants after they got into the united states bought them a meal um and i did that because i had been tracking them all the way from panama up through the united states Uh, and when they got to where i was then i bought them a meal because i wanted to keep track of them and i wanted to you know, uh, maintain our relationship. And in, there is a case to be made for the fact that the simple fact that I bought them a meal made it that much easier for them to be here. And that making it easier for them to be here means that they will call their friends and relatives back home and say, this is great. People are nice. They just buy us food and it's great. So come on. I've heard them make those calls. I went and visited a migrant detention facility where they were keeping children, unaccompanied minors, at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. They kept them in the basic training barracks. They kicked some soldiers out of the barracks and opened the barracks up and and put kids in there that are unaccompanied minors. And I got a tour of the facility and they showed how they were giving the kids phone calls to call their families. And I spoke Spanish. So I could listen to those phone calls and know what they were actually saying. And they were saying, mom, dad, it's amazing. We get hot showers. I've never had a hot shower in my life before. This is incredible. Uh, This, they're feeding us three times a day. We only eat one time a day at home. This is great. Mom, send Paco, send Jose. Tell them, hurry, get up here before this thing closes. Free education. Church programs that will pay them money, give them food for free. They don't get that in their home country. All of those things only encourage more people to come. You feed the ducks, you get more ducks. So is Welcome Core a good idea? Absolutely not. It's not. Unfortunately, it the, the the rule should be if you're going to come to our country, until you are a at least a green card holder, at least a resident, you cannot take advantage of any programs, any, okay, churches might, maybe let's set those aside. Churches maybe can help, but you cannot take advantage of any federal funds, any tax money at all, because we can't keep encouraging more of them to come. And that's what we're doing. Now, Personally, I don't want to be a smuggler, and I am not positive, but I believe that it is at the very least unethical, if not outright illegal, for an American citizen to smuggle illegals into the United States in any step of the process. And so I've been very hesitant about helping these migrants in the ways that I would help people in other places where I go to tell the stories, and I find people in desperate need. Uh, I have found, obviously, you know, I go to wars and disasters around the world, and when you go to a uh, aftermath of a hurricane, and people have lost their homes, and they are sleeping on the street, and they have no food, um, or they need medicine or medical care, then I'm, I've, I'll jump right in there. I'm very happy to help people like that. but when it comes to migrants i'm a lot more circumspect about what i should do and shouldn't do when it comes to helping these people because yes they may be in desperate need and yes they may be destitute Um, but i have to remind myself that these people made this journey voluntarily You might say, well, they were driven out of their country by persecution and war and famine and disease and poverty. And I'll say, yes, however, virtually all of them have crossed multiple other countries where they weren't being persecuted or starved or attacked or anything like that before they got to where I run into them. And they plan to cross many more on their way to the United States. So that's a voluntary effort, and it changes them from a true asylum seeker to an economic migrant. And I don't feel as compelled to help people when really what they're coming for is a better paycheck. Um, they're, They're not as destitute as it sounds. They could stay right where they are, and they could make a life right there. I appreciate the emails you send me. You can get a hold of me at hotzoneholton at gmail.com. And while we're at it, I should mention that we have uh, two trips. uh, Well, we have three trips going to Armenia uh, coming up in May, June, and September. And we filled them up completely, but then we've had some cancellations. And so we've got a couple of slots open on the May and June trips. If you're interested in going to Armenia with me and my wife uh, for 10 days in May or June, uh, send me an email, hotzoneholton at gmail.com, and we will sign you up. Uh, It's going to be a great time. If you haven't been to Armenia, you are going to be blown away. It is... uh, It is absolutely like going to northern italy in the dolomites or going to switzerland or someplace Uh, and but it's got this amazing history incredible food and it's a very economical trip so um anyway get a hold of me if you're interested